Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Design Recharge. I'm your host, Diane Gibbs, and I'm joined by Veronica Wong. She is an amazing designer, entrepreneur, and an amazing letterer. And she took her side project, hand lettering, and then actually, um, and she works at Shopify, not Spotify, which I kept saying <laughs> the other day. Um, she works at Shopify and they actually encourage their employees to start stores. And so from that, she decided, and what I think is great is that she kind of took a twist on the hand lettering and chose a really niche market. So I want to talk to her a little bit about that. So thank you so much for being here, Veronica. Thank you so much for having me. You're also the only person I know named Veronica. Oh, well, that's lovely. I know. Well, when I was a kid, you probably don't know because you're younger than me, a lot younger than me. But there was this um, comic book called Archie. I don't know what the rest I of I had like a good 70 book collection growing up. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, you know, so, and Veronica had dark hair, you know, yep. like that was the only. I campaigned to have my younger though. sister be named Betty, but my parents were not <laughs> hearing it. <laughs> <laughs> they knew what the comics were, but they were like, no, we're not naming her that. Stop asking. That's that's awesome. So it looks like Terrence figured out how to show two people on camera. So Terrence, you'll have to let us know how you did that in the chat so then we can probably um, uh, put it all together and share it with everybody. Oh, never mind. He didn't figure he, he got He got two of the trains on camera. Oh. Never mind. I was like, really? You figured it out. So um, I didn't get to meet Veronica at Creative South this past year, but I know she got to meet Terrence and a bunch of other people probably in the chat. And so it, it, she lives in Canada, right? So tell us a little bit about your background and where your love for design started and then where you kind of started in your career, like what part of design? Sure. I, I um, When I was in elementary school, I think like fifth grade or something like that, uh, we had a, a pro we had a program that was called um, Women in the Web. It's a really cheesy name, but it was essentially um, some of the teachers and, and volunteers were trying to encourage young girls to be interested in web uh, science, technology, math, that sort of thing. So we would do different activities every week. We visited the stock exchange, and so one of the activities we did was to build a website with GeoCities. It was the WYSIWYG editor, so it wasn't anything crazy, but that's sort of where I got my start. Like I really fell in love with this whole concept of making websites. Um, yeah, so I used GeoCities. I, I sort of taught myself everything from there, like how to how to use the file manager, how to upload files, HTML, CSS, a little bit of JavaScript. Um, and what grade? Um, well, it was like five onwards. I think most of this was probably like grade seven or eight or so. Uh, I don't remember how old I was at that time, but um, to make a website, you sort of need a design too. So I taught myself how to use PaintShop Pro, Photoshop, um, and then as I got older, I, I taught myself a little bit of PHP, I, enough to build WordPress themes and stuff like that. So whoa, yeah, front end development and design sort of went hand in hand for me, and I, I really really enjoyed that. Um, my high school was great because we had a, a graphic design program. So from there, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go to university for design. And um, it was a very um, uh, print and theory heavy mm. program. So I learned about that side of things, which I hadn't really learned a lot before. Um, so now I'm, I, I'm, I've sort of learned how to love being well-rounded and touch on everything, which I think is sort of where my love for both web design and hand lettering and more like tactile design comes from. Um, yeah, so I, I worked in a print shop for a couple of years. I've done like digital printing, post-production. Um, I tried screen printing for myself at home, like in my condo. Um, so I, I really like to try to do everything. <laughs> That's good. That's amazing. And so Terrence said over there, he didn't know that you were such a, a code ninja, which is pretty amazing, actually, just that you were able to do so much and learn so much. And that, uh, but in a way, it's kind of like web, the back end, the, in, the hand stuff, the getting dirty with your hands is the PHP. It is that the CSS, the JavaScript. It is, it's those, 
those are the nuggets and if and then doing the hand lettering it is kind of but it is definitely well-rounded and I think going to a school that was more print-based is pretty pretty impressive so did you go to that print school they didn't have a lot of web stuff and then you were like I'm still gonna do web stuff because I like GeoCities no, <laughs> uh, well they they did have interactivity courses I thought they weren't very well taught to be honest um, I think the material was a little outdated and I felt like I could learn a lot more on my own because um, that's the background that I'm I was used to coming from mm -hmm. um, but I think I've just always liked web design a little bit more. It's a little bit more forgiving. You don't have to like have all your designs completely final. There's sort of this iteration um, that comes with web design, which I really enjoy. Um, right. And I think the results are a lot more immediate. Like I can change a little bit of code. It'll look completely different and I can sort of see those results very quickly. And that's sort of what drew me to digital design in the first place. That's cool. All right. So, your first job, what was your first job out of school like? What kind of, what area? Was it in web or did you go more traditional print? No, it was, uh, it was at a digital, digital agency called Critical Mass. Um, I believe they have offices in the States as well. Um, I was there for a four-month internship, which was actually pretty great because most internships aren't paid, and mine was. It was actually paid salary. It was pretty fantastic. Like, Critical Mass has it down when it comes to internships. Um, I was there for four months and I was uh, put on a project for a um, luxury furniture company. The website was uh, being re redesigned and I helped a lot with the production and some of the sort of final touches of the project. Um, so I didn't get to see it from start to finish, but I got to see it near the end and when it actually launched, which was really cool. Um, and then from there, I ended up at an advertising agency um, and I realized that I didn't really like advertising all that much. It, it didn't feel like, like, I never realized that digital design encompassed so many things, you know, like I just thought I'm going to make websites, but I, I began to realize that I like working on things that people use. And I thought that user experience is really, really important and really interesting area. Um, so I ended up working at a company called Jet Cooper, which was a UX agency, um, that was eventually acquired by Shopify. So we all joined Shopify together. So then how many years have you been at Shopify? I've been at Shopify just over three years now. Do they get a lot of people saying Spotify? Is it just me? Yeah. I think I did it I think I did it for like the first week I was an actual Shopify employee. <laughs> a lot of people do it. Which one was first? Spotify uh actually I don't know. Because Shopify is actually like 10 years old, but you know, it started in like a small little office and like, so I don't know exactly which one came first. Right, right. Um, and just so you guys know, my chat is not working. I am trying to respond and say hey to people and it is not working. So hey, Johnny. Hey, Neil. And hey, Jason. Um, I just feel bad when I can't and I'm trying not, you know, anyway, I don't know why it's not working. It says, is that happening to anybody else that the everyone is not in session? It's just, anyway, okay. So um, when you first get hired, it was really, you were working somewhere else and it just got acquired. So how much did your role change and how many people, because at this point you weren't working at Shopify, you were working somewhere else and then it got bought out. So how much did it change role-wise and then how many people were kind of part of the business in the beginning? Um, so Jet Cooper, we had about 25 people um, and the Shopify Toronto office had about 10, I think. So together, once we joined Shopify Toronto was about 40 people. Um, because the Shopify team was smaller than the Jack Cooper team, they actually moved into our office with us. Um, and then eventually we all moved into a bigger space together, which is the building we're in now. Um, but, uh, my role... I guess my role didn't change a lot. Like I was still making, uh, I was still a digital designer because everything we do is online. Um, when I joined Shopify, I was first put on the themes team. So I was helping to, to build Shopify themes that you see in our free theme store. Um, and then I eventually transitioned into growth marketing, which is basically just marketing. Um, so, so I worked on the, the .com team, which is basically anything that you see on Shopify.com. And I've also 
worked with the uh, offline marketing team. So that's the team that what? Um, offline marketing. Oh, offline. Uh -huh. Yeah. So they, they put on events, they, they um, do meetups, they sort of like do all of the offline mar marketing, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I was thinking you said off-road and I'm like, I don't even know of this thing called off-road marketing or off anyway, but you said offline. I got it. Real stores kind of physical place, right? Sort of offline. Yeah, I mean, like, like they do physical events and stuff like that. Right. So, um, so Terrence asked if you worked on the Brooklyn theme. Oh, uh, I did not know. <laughs> okay. Well, so you're doing themes in the beginning. How, how long did you do work on that part? I was there for six months. I started working on a particular theme that was then uh, picked up by another coworker. And then, so then when you move after those six months, so it, it seems like there's been a lot of growth and you've been able to kind of grow and explore uh, a lot of things when you were there. How long, um, uh, how long have you been doing lettering? Um, Probably about two and a half, three years now. I can't remember exactly. So almost about the same time that. Almost, yeah. Like I, it was just sort of a random thing where I started doing a, a three sixty five project, mm -hmm. and I had always wanted to do a three sixty five project, but there were too many barriers that allowed me to be lazy. Like I didn't want to make a WordPress site. <laughs> I didn't want to, you know. But um, at that time, Instagram was becoming a really good medium for artists and lettering designers. Um, and it's great because it, I can take it wherever I go, snap a picture of whatever I've done, and then upload it from there, maybe do a few um, adjustments and stuff like that. So I didn't really tell anyone that I was doing it because I wasn't committed yet. But after about two weeks, I was like, okay, this is a thing I'm going to do every single day. And then maybe a month or so in, my coworker started noticing, like, you've just been posting all these things every day. Is this like a thing you're doing? Um, and I guess it became a thing that I was doing. So then how long did it take you, and I know I'm kind of going off the, um, the, the script a little bit, but how long did it take you to start your store? Oh, um, I think I started this store um, sometime last year. Okay. I think, I can't remember exactly now, um, but it was sort of like, um, I, I never really even thought of opening a store before because um, I have no idea like I don't know anything about manufacturing or selling or anything right. like that but being around so many people at Shopify that run their own businesses sell their own products um, and are, are entrepreneurs um, it's it's really motivating and um, I was like well they make it seem so easy maybe I can do it right um, yeah <laughs> so you're around so, so you're working here and they actually encourage their employees to open up stores, right? Yes. So the thing is for us, um, if our merchants are doing well, then Shopify does well, right? And and we want to be able to better understand the experiences that our merchants have. So the, the best way to understand what they go through is to be actually doing the things, right? Like it's another, it's one thing for me to open a test store and fiddle around with things, but I don't fully understand the breadth of all the things that our merchants go through. So Shopify encourages us to open stores, sell products, do what we can to really get in the mindset of the people that we are creating this product for. Um, so when you join Shopify, you have one of our office perks is a one-time $250 um, sort of budget. It's like you, don't, you can use it in multiple pieces, but you get $250. And that allows you to... Actually, sorry, it's $150. Um, but that is supposed to go towards you opening a store. So it can it can be used for anything store-related, whether it be um, um, marketing, whether it be to pay for materials or, you know, startup costs, anything like that. Um, we also get a, a free employee store to sort of take down those barriers to say, look, open a store, try it out, you know, um, we're trying to make it easy for you. Um, and then a coworker of mine a couple of years ago started um, an internal competition, and it's an annual thing now. Um, every year, it's called Start a Business, and basically we encourage everyone to open a store by a certain date mm -hmm. um, so that everybody does it together. And then 
within the next three months, you are encouraged to sell your product and we take your best month and um, however much money you made that month is what goes into the competition and whoever makes the most money wins. Um, so what they win is basically, like, there are a few prizes, a bunch of people went to a basketball game together, but more importantly, they get mentorship from people within the office. So they had a sit down chat with our, uh, I, th I think it was our CMO, CPO, I can't remember, but one of our execs, um, and they've had uh, sort of chats with other people within the company that run really successful businesses just to get more advice on how to grow those businesses more. Um, <laughs> yeah. How many people, how many employees do you think are entrepreneurs selling on Shopify? Oh, I don't know the exact number. Is there like a, a percentage? Like in your new team, how many of those people are shop owners? Oh, in my team, it's probably small. It's maybe like one or two. But I think so that's, the company as a whole, I think there's a pretty large percentage, more than I expected. Like 50%? Maybe not 50. But I'm sure at least 50 have at some point tried. Yeah. Maybe not gone very far. Maybe it didn't go anywhere. But, yeah. Well, one thing you also talked about, so there's, there are these things that the whole company does to kind of get people going, but then there was also in, in your teams, there's also like um, meetups and things that people can do if they're struggling with something or to have somebody else talk. So there's a lot of support. Do they, um, and this is all done outside of work, right? Like you're not like, hey, I'm coming in and I'm selling cake toppers today. Uh, no, like we don't, most of us don't necessarily bring our products into work, but we have, there's nothing stopping us from doing that. Um, like I have a coworker who, uh, his wife makes, um, who does pottery and sells really beautiful, um, ceramic ware. And we've used a lot of her products, um, for photography. We've used some products just like, uh, in the office as decoration. Um, so it, we're well, not opposed not you're not working on your honey, honey and crisp during work hours or, or is that okay? Um, I'm, I don't usually, but there have been occasions where I've done a few things. Like I might, you know, pop out during the day to mail something off or, you know, maybe touch up a design or like it. Yeah, I have, but I don't think it's, but it's not like Google where they're giving you 20% of your week and you're doing whatever you want to do for, no, we, well, we, we sort of have something similar. Um, it's called hack days. So we take two days, um, every quarter and it's like, do whatever you want, make a thing that's, that will somehow benefit Shopify again. So that's sort of like our equivalent to the Google 20%. Yeah, totally. That's awesome. And those things are fun. Like, and they bring the team together. Um, and I don't know if you said this, how many people work at Shopify now? Uh, I think we're just over 1500 now. Okay. So Terrence asked a while ago, said, do a lot of people leave Shopify to pursue their side business full time? Meaning uh, employees, I think. There have been employees who have done that. Um, our office is a little smaller. We have about 200, 300 people in the Toronto office. So I don't know what happens to all the employees that happen in Ottawa. Um, but there, there have been people who have left. I think some of the, the older employees, the veteran employees who have been with Shopify for so long, they've sort of moved on to pursue other endeavors. Um, but we actually do it the other way around. A lot of the times we will hire people who have full businesses to come work for Shopify because they have that experience already. Hmm. So we have a lot of people coming in to work at Shopify who are already having running their own business. So uh, Costa has a question. The free themes feel limiting. He's used two of them, but hard to justify $150 to $200 for a paid theme. Now, granted, she's probably not in this department, but we're going to ask. Um, not sure if it will help increase sales. Any plans to lower the prices on themes? I don't have an answer for that. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't set any of the prices. Um, the, the free themes can be limiting sometimes. I, I totally get that. But we also provide um, complete free reign for you to access the code. You can make any changes you want. Um, there's documentation on how to do that. And you can also hire people to help you do that. Um, I don't know what the cost of that would be. Uh, it depends on the level of changes you want. Um, but there, there are a lot of options for customizing. Um, there are also 
I don't even know if I'm supposed to be telling you this, but it's not a secret. There are themes that you can buy on like Theme Forest and stuff like that. They are cheaper. I think they're like $40. But the only thing is um, we don't supply support for those themes. Um, you sort of, you got to contact the developers on your own and all that. Um, so there are cheaper options, but they're sort of not guaranteed by Shopify. Right, right. They can't support something they didn't make. Exactly. Right. So uh, did you know what kind of shop you were going to open? So you've been lettering for two years, maybe a little bit more than that. Um, you've been lettering for two and a half years probably. And then I would think that this would have been, because you're really good. You were doing, you were using your um, lettering for doing client work. You were doing, it was making money, but why, how did you come up with cake toppers? And I feel like this is like the biggest thing, like for most people, it's like, so it, the product. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. It's like you had this hobby, right. And you were, yeah. and you were doing freelance with it. You were making some money with it, but then you chose instead of making t-shirts or instead of making stickers, you chose to do something really, um, I don't know. I love it. When I saw it, and I'm pretty sure when it launched, I was like, who is this girl? <laughs> like, oh my gosh. And then I, I contacted you and I was like, I want to Skype lunch with you. Can we do that? And we did. And it was great. And it was just, to me, it, it was so smart and clever to do what you did that I was like, how long did that take? <laughs> um, well, I, I had always been thinking about what kind of products I could sell because I work at Shopify and I was like, maybe I could open a store, but I didn't want to just open a store that, you know, drop shipped some cheap product just to make money. Like I really wanted to sell something I was passionate about and I believed in. Um, and I, I had, at the time I was thinking a lot, I was doing some uh, invitations and stationery for weddings for my friends. Um, and I was like, people are willing to pay so much money for anything that's wedding related. <laughs> like, how can I get into this industry without sitting here writing envelopes all day long, you know? Um, so I, I was talking to a friend and um, we sort of arrived at this whole idea of like cake toppers and how I could, I could offer, you know, pre-made designs, but also do custom lettering because that's really important for the wedding industry is customization. Um, so it sort of spiraled from there. I mean, I, I spent a good year sort of mulling it over and thinking about it and um, sort of experimenting with uh, some laser cutters and different materials and trying to figure out what I liked and uh, what I wanted to sell. So yeah, it was a, a, a lot of sort of internal deliberation before I really like went for it and decided that I'm going to do it for real. Because then you also had, it was all the things, and this is what I think is so great about this, is that you, you used your lettering, you're doing customization, but you're also doing just like, you know, happy birthday or 4th of July or whatever. You have some just standards. But then you're having to figure out all the logistics of what kind of laser cutter, what kind of wood, how thick is the wood, um, you know, what do you coat it with something because it has to go in a cake and what are you putting in the sticks? How are the sticks <laughs> adhered? I mean, those are questions I asked you in the, when we did our Skype lunch, I was like, how, like, I mean, did you, were you a woodworker too on the side when you were coding as a kid? You know, it seemed like that was a lot to kind of figure out. And if you didn't. And those are like $20,000 machines or $16,000 laser cutters, mm -hmm. you know, because you're limited in size of what you can do. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think it was brilliant to use to get um, uh, weddings because people do spend a ton of money. Yeah. It could be customization. is, is So that was really smart. Um, and I put a link. It's honeyandcrisp.com. Um, so, but how much learning? So when you, I mean, from o not opening, because you didn't open, you had, you already had the product, but how much time did all the logistics take figuring out? Um, it was at least a few months, I think. There, there were a lot of things that I didn't expect. So I was like, I can, I can do lettering and just cut things out of wood. It shouldn't be that hard. But what I realized was uh, laser cutters, uh, don't actually like a lot of woods, like a lot of plywoods. Mm. It, uh, it's something about the way that the glue brings together all the pieces and the lasers don't agree with it. So I had to get special made or like I had to get a particular type of plywood and then I had to source different vendors and I had to look at different uh, 
people who did laser cutting because I couldn't afford to buy a whole machine on my own. And I don't have room for one in my condo. Um, and then I had to sort of sort out how am I going to handle shipping? How much is shipping going to cost? How am I going to market all of this? And like, mm. how am I going to package all of these things? And then it's like, how do I, what do I coat these things with so that they're food safe? Or like, can I explore paint options, which is something I'm doing now. Um, so there were just so many different things and I had to take them one by one and make a list. And it was like, it was like every time I managed to make a decision on one thing, I would have like three other things to think about. So, so um, that, that's a struggle also with the entrepreneur. It's just getting, it gets overwhelmed and people drop, right? They drop off. Yes. So what helped you keep going? Um, more just like being realistic with myself, like not saying, I think, for me, this was a, a, a hobby and it was a side business. And because Shopify has given me so much to um, sort of bring those barriers down, like I don't have to, my store is free for me. I don't have the monthly charges. Um, things like that um, really helped because I, I could sort of go at my own pace. I know every, not everyone has that kind of luxury, but I was able to realistically say to myself, you know, if you want to be a little lazy this month, that's okay. <laughs> right. Um, you were able to kind of take a break yeah. if you needed to, right? Yeah, exactly. So Nikki has a question. What's the process for customization? How do you limit it so that customers don't drive you crazy with revisions? Or do you have a letter count that you have to, because I would think there's, you know, laser cutters only go up to like 24 inches, some of them, right? Uh, uh, no, the, the, the vendor I use for laser cutting has a relatively large machine, so uh, yeah. But um, for customization, I, I have it very clearly written on, on the website that um, there are no uh, proofs or revisions because what I'm selling is a product. I'm not selling a service in these cake toppers. So mm. I very clearly sort of laid out a couple different styles or three or four different styles that you could purchase um, so that you sort of have a clear understanding of what the style will look like. And then I will just do your name and send it to you. Um, so it's very, it's, I've tried to be very clear about that. I did think a lot about that because as a designer, we're all used to like the revisions and the back and forth. And I was like, I don't want any of that. This is a product that I'm making. Um, and the customization is just a, a part of that. So that's another thing that a lot of people don't think about. It is that small print or the terms and conditions, right? And so it's yeah. really important that you have that kind of worked out before. And maybe working at Shopify, had because you had seen so many things you were around it more but because we're not around it very much so that was really that's really smart is there anything you kind of based it off of or did you just um say hey i know i don't want to deal with revisions they are paying for what they get you know if unless i misspelled something right yeah i think it was just um just a matter of sitting down and thinking about it like how do i want to handle this do I want to be really opinionated and just say no revisions, no proofs? Um, does that sound kind of mean? Should they have the option to do that? Um, so, so far I've really just uh, made the hard decision. It's just a product that I'm selling. There won't be any proofs. Um, at worst case, if somebody did email me, which they haven't yet to say, hey, I need a proof of this, I could be open to sending them a preview, but um, with the understanding that there would be no revisions. It was just, it would just be like a little peak. Um, and I do have a, a return policy. So I, I decided that it would be a good idea to um, offer a, re a refund policy. Um, I don't, I think if I remember correctly, I don't have a, a refund policy for the customized ones, the only the pre-made ones for error, for error and stuff like that. So this is another great question Neil has, but I want to I want you to show some images if you can of some cake toppers. So this, if people haven't don't know what it is or they want to see it. So, but Neil's question is: Do products ship from the vendor to the customer, or do they ship to you first? Which I think is a whole other ballgame that you have to deal with, right? Because you're in Canada. Um, yeah. So actually all of the products can be seen on honeyandcrips.com if that's easier for people. So yeah. probably at the computers. Um, so my vendors are all local. So I can like send them my files and I can pick up the cake toppers directly from them. And then I, I hand coat each one of them because I'm trying to be strappy and 
or scrappy and like keep costs down. So I, I coat each one myself so that they're food safe and then I will ship them out personally to the customers. Cool. So in your, so like with Etsy, a lot of times I, if I buy something, they'll come in this really like they'll be in a box or whatever, but then the rest of it will be really packaged really nice. Like what do you do for that extra little bit? If somebody gets a cake topper, is it just put in, you know, put in a box and um, bubble wrap around it or do you do? Um, yeah, I thought a lot about how I wanted to package my design or because it is really like a luxury item almost for your wedding. Um, and it is your big day. I want it to look special. So it comes in this sort of white box that has a pink ribbon on it, logo on the front. And then the inside is, uh, the inside looks like this here. I can send a link. But essentially it's got like a shredded paper filling um, and then the cake topper goes in and a nice little um, um, like uh, foam, like foam padding layer. Um, and I'll usually write a little handwritten note just to say thank you for supporting our product. I hope you have a really wonderful wedding. And just to add that personal touch, because I think um, going above and beyond in that sort of way really matters a lot. Absolutely. So it is the customer service. It is, it is understanding that yes, this is a business for you, but this is somebody's one and only day. Yeah. So that's really cool. Um, I was trying to make sure I processed all the questions. Um, and so um, one of the things you had to deal with was um, shipping to the United States. Mm -hmm. Were you going to do that? Were you not? And then how are you going to handle the, the cost um, that, is incurred because that's uh, uh, it's a you there's a big shipping cost difference yeah I, I don't really understand why because we're not that far away from you but anytime I buy things I have to pay a lot more for shipping right um, so I thought a lot about that and how I wanted to handle that obviously shipping to US customers uh, was a must because the market is so much bigger there there's just more people and you guys are like the closest neighbors we have um, so I looked into a lot of options. Our main options here are Canada Post. Um, we've got UPS and FedEx, but they're more expensive. What's Canada um, Canada Post? Is that yeah. what you said? Yeah, yeah. that's our major uh, uh, mail carrier. Um, but they there's a third-party company um, that's based out of Toronto, I think, called Chit Chats Express. Um, they uh, offer shipping to the States at a fraction of the cost of what I would pay Canada Post, and that includes... Um, uh, tracking label and everything. Um, the the process to use them is a little bit harder because um, they're not like a super organized company. But I have to go and like, yeah. So it, it, it's cheaper and it's been reliable so far. Um, so I've been using them to bring costs down because um, I know that being able to bring the cost down will help me a lot in that whole process. So it's about being... Um not giving up, being resourceful. But we knew that you were good and being resourceful because of you're in fifth grade and you're learning how to cook, right? So again, you're kind of pulling things. You you don't mind a little bit more work, and that is a that's a thing for an entrepreneur. You choose either to pay, just like even with the free themes from Shopify, you choose to either pay and then tweak, or and you have to figure out how to tweak, or you're going to just pay for a a, a better or more specific theme that's going to work for you. Yeah. Um, and it, it's just a, where are you going to put your time? So, exactly. um, all right. So I still love how you came up with the niche market. I do think if your friends hadn't been getting married, I don't know if you would have, or if you hadn't been doing so much stuff for weddings that I don't know if you would have, maybe you would have come up with that anyway. Who knows? Um, so I, I think, um, it's an advantage for a designer. And I don't know if you see this in Shopify at all at, at the corporate, like with the other people who are owners. Um, but I feel like designers, we get, um, we get hand, we get thrown things all the time. So we just have to like, okay, you want this now? Oh, okay. Well, we want it for three cents. No problem. We'll figure it out. You know, like, um, I feel like we get that a lot. Like in the beginning when we're students, we're like, what? Yeah, <laughs> gonna, you know, and then you're like, hey, we could, we could figure this out, we could do this, and yeah. I think that being resourceful is, and and being nimble, it helps keep us nimble, and it seems like um, it goes hand in hand with being an entrepreneur because as an entrepreneur, we're throwing things 
all the time that we weren't expecting. And it is about how you react. Yeah. And it's like, so I think attitude really comes into play and it seems like you have a great attitude as well. Um, so do you think just being this nimble, flexible, kind of able to roll with the punches is kind of one of your superpowers? Oh, totally. I, I've sort of lived by that mantra, like ever since I was little. Um, and I think that's what designers do, right? Like we, um, at the core of what we do is solve problems, you know, um, like whether it's you're making posters or websites or apps, I think at the core of it, you're trying to solve particular problems. So at the end of the day, if I can look at everything and say, is this helping me solve the overall problem? Um, uh, then that's how I should do it. You know? Um, yeah, it's definitely a superpower. I think being able to prioritize, being able to um, just, like you said, roll with the punches is uh, something I've always really enjoyed doing. So, all right, well, another kind of off of this, because again, I feel like a lot of people who watch are working one job, and then they're also doing this uh, thing on the side, this side project, and they're trying to make it uh, make money. And some people have already gone full time, kind of like Terrence. But so you're working this full-time and a full you have full-time job you're working 40 plus hours and then you're running this on the side we talked about this a little bit about um earlier but there has to be some issues juggling just building this side project working working it in because some things are only going to happen on a monday to friday talking to yes. vendor um going to the post or chit chat yeah nine to five yeah yeah you can't just like oh well i'll do that after or i'll do that on saturday or things don't happen like that so how do you handle this and are there any tips that you would give somebody that's kind of in the same in in the same ballpark kind of as you um, yeah, I, I've always been really good at dealing with, um, stress, Like I don't feel overwhelmed often. Um, and I think a lot of that is just being able to prioritize. Mm. Um, I think like, it's sort of like practice, you know, the more you prior practice prioritizing things, the better you get at it. So I'm very easily able to just sort of see, these are all the things I have to do. These ones are priority because they absolutely have to be done by a certain date and time. Everything else I can sort of do a little slower. Um, like I've, I've tried a lot of different apps and stuff, um, but I think at the end of the day, I just really like using paper and Sharpies and making <laughs> lists and check boxes. There's something really satisfying about like crossing things off with a Sharpie. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, I think you have to be able to prioritize the, yeah. It's a <laughs> Sharpie to too. Prioritize highlighter. Uh, you have to prioritize either the things that have to be done or the things that you enjoy and the things that make you happy. Mm -hmm. So that's really important. That's what drives what you do. You know, um, if it's not things that have to be done or things that make you happy, then prioritize the things that are going to be the most impactful um, mm -hmm. to where you envision yourself later. You know, sometimes um, you don't necessarily like doing the things, but if it will be impactful to what you want later, then it's worth it. You know, mm -hmm. um, it's also really uh, good to be mindful of your health and to be realistic with your priorities. Um, you know, if you are being overworked, worked, it's really important to learn how to say no. How um, are you at saying no? I'm better now. Like when I first graduated, I was saying yes to everything. I was doing projects. I was doing my day job. I was doing freelance work. I was like, I was doing everything. And at the time I was also commuting an hour and a half each way to work. And it, it was a really, really um, important lesson to learn how to say no. Like, um, no, I don't need to do this project. Um, uh, uh, like, I have a full-time job, so I have more luxuries to say no to certain freelance projects. And I started started to ask myself a lot more, like, does this sound fun? Um, mm. Do clients like, sound like enjoyable people to work with? Um, I tend to take on freelance projects these days that have a really loose timeline. So I don't have to have things done exactly in two weeks. It's sort of like, yeah, I'll have some sketches to you in like a week or two. And they're totally okay with that. Right. Um, I think when I was younger, I learned, um, a really good tip that you should be realistic about budgeting your time for breaks. So if you look at your week or your day, make sure you have time to, you know, watch a TV show or go out with friends or go bowling or like do a thing. Um, and I think that really encourages you not to procrastinate so much. 
if you know that you have this block of time on your calendar that you're going to be going to do something fun, that's sort of like what you're working towards, you know, like I'm going to work really hard today because I know I'm going to go out tomorrow. And that really, really helped me a lot when I was younger. That's good. That's a really good, uh, do you tell your sisters that? Uh, I, do, I have one sister and I try to tell I her that a little bit. I didn't mean sisters, it just came out like multiple. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> no, like, I, it was great because when I was younger, I used to watch a lot of TV. I still watch a lot of TV. But it was like, I know that each evening I'll have to budget at least one or two hours of time to watch this TV show that I really like. So I know that hour's gone. Like, guaranteed, it's already gone. So that leaves me with another, like, three or four hours to do this many things, you know? So... So saying, yeah. saying no, I think is really key. And I also think keeping your expectations of what you can do really reasonable. And I feel like that's yeah. a little bit harder when you're just starting because you don't know how long certain things are going to take. But it seems like you were able to kind of like, and I think this is great. Like you were able at a young, young age, you were able to attack something and you were like, I can figure it out. And so it doesn't matter. You know, you can figure it out. It's just a, the time frame that you're going to be able to do that in. But keeping your expectations reasonable and keeping, keeping your clients' expectations reasonable, I think, has been something that you've been able to get better about. But I also feel like that saying no, like the first person you said no to, did you say it like, you know, I just don't think it's a good fit for me? Or what was your answer? Like, it's going to be $10,000 for that logo or something. <laughs> you didn't want to do it. I, I, I've, done a, I've done a number of things. <laughs> like sometimes I will sort of highball and give them really high prices so that, you know, because um, it doesn't sound like a, it, these are for projects that kind of sound interesting, but I don't really want to do right. it. But if I had to, I probably wouldn't hate it. <laughs> so um, I know it's not probably necessarily the nicest thing to do, but I've, I've definitely given some, uh, quite high estimates before um, for a number of reasons. Maybe they wanted it really last minute. Maybe it's not, it's a really strict deadline that I'm not used to, like I said. Um, so it's not that they were unfair quotes either. Um, right. They were justified, but at the same time, it was high enough that I knew that if they said no, that'd be okay. But if they said yes, it's also worth my time. Right. Right. So is it usually just in a budgeting thing? It wasn't like a, this is, you know, I'm not really interested in this project. Um, I, I don't think I've ever said I'm not interested in this project, but I might say, um, unfortunately, um, my schedule doesn't permit or allow for that project right now. I have other things on the go that I wouldn't, and I wouldn't be able to um, complete this on time for when you need. Um, and I, I'll often, depending on who the client is, sometimes I'll reach out to some of my other friends who do freelance and say, hey, I have a client who's asking for this. Um, do you want to take this project on because I don't have time or I just don't want to do it? Um, so having a network of friends is always great because you can sort of refer other, you can refer this work to someone else who probably wants it or needs it, you know? Absolutely. So I think that's great. Um, what are, well, we kind of already talked about that one. I'm going to skip that one. Um, I was writing some notes there. So, um, so you, you hired your sister, right? Kind of. I, I, um, I, uh, I was like, I want to do this thing. Do you want to help me? Do you want <laughs> I was like, do you want to help me do social, social media stuff? I don't know. And that's what she's studying in school, right? She's in school now, right? Uh, yeah, she, she's studying travel and tourism, business management something or another <laughs> um but I think part of like part of the marketing asset she she took a couple courses and she was learning about social media marketing and I thought it'd be really fun to just include her in it and it would give me an extra pair of hands to help me with stuff so she um she goes and likes photos on Instagram she'll reply to people she'll comment um she'll repin things on Pinterest and stuff like that so yeah so it's kind of she can do it when she's available. It's not yeah. like she's going to be working from, you know, three to five every day. So it's, it, it's having that flexibility. But how much has that helped you and helped grow your business? Because you, it's hard to do everything. Mm -hmm. it's, it's nice. Like she, she does pretty small things. Like she, uh, she hasn't visited the laser guy or like shipped any products out or anything like that. 
Um, but it's also nice to have a sounding board to say, hey, I need to do this thing. Do you think this looks nice? Or what do you think about this Instagram post? Does this look okay? And like just having someone there to like give honest feedback is really, really helpful. And it, honestly, maybe she's just um, the, the thing that keeps me sane. You know, it's really hard to run a business on your own. But even just having someone to support you goes a long way. So, but how is it different having it be your sister? Uh, I don't know. I've never run a business before. So <laughs> would you have ever thought of asking a friend to do that? Uh, maybe. I think the other thing too is that all of my friends are so busy. They all have their own side projects going. They all have freelance going. Um, whereas my sister's in school and um, at the time she didn't have a job. So I was like, do you want to do this thing with me? <laughs> so that's pretty good. So um, does it ever stress either like – because she's not doing, she said she would do something and she's your sister. So, you know, like I used to always spill mustard on my sister's sweaters. Like <laughs> any time she ever let me wore, wear a sweater, it would come back with mustard on it. Plain yellow mustard, that's all I like. And she'd be like, oh, you ruined everything. And so I feel like, I mean, I'm not like that anymore. I don't spill that much in <laughs> clothes, but um, but I feel like with it, with a sibling, there can be like, oh, she won't care, you know, it'll be fine. She'll still love me. But I feel like it's different when you kind of bring it to a business level, or it can be. Right. Um, I think because she and I have both been super relaxed about the business, um, there hasn't really been any arguments like that. Um, yeah, you yeah, sound pretty like, chill. <laughs> in terms of commitment and dedication, we both realize that we're doing this for fun. Um, at, like, like again, like I said, we have the luxury of this not being our primary source of income. It's not our like primary focus in life. It's just a thing that we're doing together for fun. Um, and it's really good to remember that all the time. Um, but I, I've always tried to ask her opinion on any like major decisions um, so that it does feel more like a partnership. Even though, like, it, it's weird because, like, I've put up all the upfront money costs and, like, I feel like it's mostly uh, I'm doing things and she helps me kind of vibe, but I still get her opinion on everything and I still uh, make sure she understands all of the major decisions we're making so that she does feel like it's a partnership. So um, I'm going to do something with my sister and I've asked her and we're going to do it. Mm -hmm. I'm at the stage of like, I have these things, but I have no idea what to do with them. So I'm at the, I don't know if I'm going to do cake toppers or sketchbooks or do you know what I mean? Like I'm, I, I'm amazed that you like honed in. I think maybe looking at industries and looking at niche markets that um, do there is money spent on a regular basis coming in um, would be a good thing to kind of look, work on. But then I also know my sister's a super hard worker, but I think that we value certain things differently. Mm -hmm. and, um, so I just, uh, I mean, I, it's, it's just going to be different, I guess. But I always wondered if that, if it was ever um, a challenge. So, what is the biggest challenge that you deal with now? Kind of like um, on a, a weekly basis, I don't know, is it motivation? Is it um, marketing? Is it, it what? Um, I'd say a lot of it is marketing um, and also just keeping the momentum. I think in some ways I'm a little bit too relaxed about it. So I'm like, eh, I'm not going to do anything this week. <laughs> They'll still be there tomorrow. You know, if somebody buys something, that's cool. But um, I think staying like staying motivated is, is a big thing. And the marketing is a big thing. Um, I think for, for a lot of entrepreneurs, it comes in waves, right? You have these big moments, like I just made my first sale and you feel like you're on a high and then you also have these really low moments where you're like, nobody's buying anything. Or like, I feel like nobody's interacting with the ads that I put out. Or like, I don't understand the ads I put out because Facebook says I'm making conversions, but I'm not making sales. So what does that mean? You know, right. and you sort of go in these waves and you have to just keep picking yourself up and keep staying motivated. And I, I think that goes for a lot of people who first start out their own businesses, right? It's always never a sure thing. Um, so yeah. Yeah. You're always having to test different things because it's different days, different people, different times of the year. And I would yeah. think that certain times of the year are going to be better for cake toppers, but then you should, you know, it's like, how can I 
utilize the Christmas season the yeah. best, you know, and, and, and it, it's just, it is, it's a, it's a, there is no recipe for marketing because it changes every day. I yeah. think it's also tough too, because like, because this isn't my, my main thing, like I, I have a job and everything. Um, it can be really hard, right? Like I, I felt like I was less motivated in the summer because it was nice out. I wanted to go out and hang out with friends and like, so now I'm telling myself, well, maybe over the winter I will I'll get back into um, like actually doing some more marketing or like that sort of thing. Do you have to keep anything in like on reserve? Do you have the Mr. and Mrs. like you have 50 of those or do you just get it done as you need it? Um, I don't have any Mr. and Mrs. because those are the customized ones. Mm. So those ones I have to design um, and then cut when they're ordered. Um, but some of the other designs I have like one or two at least on hand at a time. But so far, all of my orders have been the customized ones. So I didn't cut any more than one or two of each design for now. So do, you, do you buy the wood at the time that you need it or do you have a supply? Um, I had a supply of wood that I was taking to a laser cutter to get it done. Um, what I found was the wood and the laser didn't agree with each other. So I actually ended up switching vendors. Um, so switching up uh, the laser cutting vendor um, to a company that's also local um, and they supply the wood as well. It's a, it's a little bit more expensive because I'm not buying the wood wholesale from a, a, a wood supplier. But um, that's sort of one of those things where I was like, maybe I'll just pay the extra money for the peace of mind that the product comes out good. Um, right. And I mean, it, it eats away at the profits a little bit, but maybe that's sort of like the price to pay for having really good products right out the gate. And then maybe in the future I can reevaluate um, doing it the other way. Right. That's smart. Um, yeah. I know we're running out of time, so um, I want to make sure we're getting a couple of other things. Um, so how has social media played a role? Because are you really just using social media to market? Or are you doing anything else? Are you putting any ads and big, or are you going to wedding things, you know, where people have stuff? It's, it's mostly been social media right now because that's a free option, which I like. Um, I have experimented with Facebook ads and Instagram ads a little bit. I didn't really see a lot of results from that. Um, so that's one of the things that I want to explore a lot more. Um, I've gotten a couple sales from Pinterest, which is really interesting. So my sister and I will just sit there and like repin a bunch of stuff just to get on people's radar, which is interesting. I, I don't fully understand how people use interest, uh, Pinterest as for businesses yet. Pinterest is supposed to be 70% more conversion to sales than uh, Facebook or Twitter. Yeah, which is great now because uh, Shopify has a, a Pinterest integration. So any of your product, uh, if your if your product page is pinned on Pinterest um, and you've enabled the channel, people can actually hit buy right from Pinterest. Like the price is there and all that. Yeah, that's so awesome. It sort of like reduces the barrier of people buying your product. Yeah, absolutely. And the click count, you know, they don't have to go so deep to get. They can just click once and get in. Yeah, exactly. Um, so. Your um, handle on Instagram for you personally, mm -hmm. is super V V E C. Yes. So I'm going to put that in the chat and on Twitter and on dribble. Those that's your, um, how you are get, get found. So how, yeah. and I already asked you this cause I was like, I got to know during that Skype lunch. So, um, what, oh, bookers, it's not doing it. Okay. Sue, so I'm going to try it like this. Um, so how do you come up with super V? Um, it was actually a long time ago. I was, I think at the time, opening a live journal account and I needed a username. So I asked my friend like, hey, make me a username. And that's what she gave me. So does so do your friends, Terrence asked if your friends call you V. Yes, they do. Okay. Yeah. So a, lot of, a lot of my friends' parents will also call me that because Veronica is too many syllables for some Asian parents. Oh. Their parents actually call me V as well because it's easier for them. <laughs> That's great. That's cool. So I just want to, um, for the people who are on YouTube or people who are listening on um, iTunes, it's Instagram.com slash Super V, 
V-E-E, -E, and then Twitter is super V-V-E, -E, right? And then yeah. super and then V-E-E -E on Dribble as well. And Dribble yeah. does have three Bs, just for anybody who's listening. <laughs> also are on Instagram at Honey and Crisp. And I'm going to type Crisp like C-R-I-S-P, and hopefully this will go in. Yeah, it's, it's basically like the apple, Honey Crisp apple. Ah, yeah. well, did you do that on purpose? Kind of. My sister was trying to think of what to call this business, and everything sounded really cheesy, or it was already taken because the wedding space is so saturated. Um, so then we started started to pick at like, why do we like company names? Like, what do we like about company names? And I really like company names that incorporate like a something and something. They sound kind of classy, and like I like that vibe. Um, and honey crisp apples are also my favorite apples. So I was like. Uh, it's kind of cute and I don't hate it. It's the first name that I made up that I don't hate and the social media and the domain is relatively available for everything. Some of them we've had to um, do variations like Honey and Crisp Co or something like that. But for the most part, it was available. So I was like, I don't want to think about this anymore. There are so many other things that I need to do. Let's just go with this. So one last plug for Shopify, and they are not giving me any money for this episode. <laughs> no, but I, I, this is a question I asked uh, Veronica because I wanted to know, well, what are the prices? You know, so there's kind of a standard, but then there is a cheaper. Can you kind of go through, like, the, if you're thinking about, like, taking your product to that next level and you think, hey, Shopify sounds like a pretty good spot, what, um, what, Right? Did I say Spotify again? Yes. <laughs> of course not. Anyway, okay. Forget about Spotify. So, what would Shopify? What's like the basic package that most a lot of people like? It's kind of the not the lowest, but the the or whatever package. Um, the basic is twenty nine dollars a month. Um, that gets you an online store. It gets you the ability to use any of the sales channels. So the Pinterest thing that I was talking about earlier, Facebook, being able to sell through Messenger, um, which is one of our newer channels. Um, all of our prices and all of the um, sort of breakdown can be found on the Shopify site, which I can't S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com, right? Yeah. And then if you go to slash pricing... Should be able to, why can't I send them this? Uh, you have to do it to panelists and then go back to everyone. I'm going to call them as soon as we get done. It's really frustrating, but then, yep, see? Oh, there we go. Okay. Um, so there's a huge breakdown there. Um, uh, with this, you can also use our mobile app. You can use the mobile app and get a free card reader so you can sell in person as well, which is great for a lot wow. of you. I know a lot of you sell online and also at, um, uh, booths and, or like at vendor booths and stuff like that. Um, we also, it's not here, but we have a light plan, um, which is $9 a month. I can find. Yeah. So for $9 a month, you can sell on some social media, you can sell on Facebook. Um, uh, you can also use the card reader to sell in person, but you wouldn't have an online store. So it's great if somebody just wants to sell in person or just wants to sell through Facebook or something like that and they don't want to manage an online store. Um, that's a really great sort of easy option as well. Does it have, is there any kind of like, and you're of course not the CEO or anything, I understand this, <laughs> but like um, have like a plugin to do on a WordPress so that somebody could. Oh, yes. Okay, yes, that so that's what the light plan would allow you to do as well. You can install buy button widgets um, onto your blog, onto WordPress, onto whatever static site you have, even onto a Squarespace site, um, so that it would, uh, there's a picture of it on the link that I just sent, but there's uh, little widgets that you can install if you don't want a full store. So again, I just think that some of us are, we have a website, so it's not like we have to create that. So if, if having your own store website is not what you're interested in because you already have the store, you already have a website, you could do the light version and then just put the, the links, but then they're still kind of helping you um, manage things a little bit better maybe. Exactly. Than so I'll, I'll actually put a link here, I realize I just realized all of them say .ca because that's the one that it's routing me to. But um, so the buy button is the is the landing page for all the information about the widget. Um, so you would be able to use this with the nine dollar plan, the light plan. 
Cool. Yeah. And that's awesome that it helped that you, with that, you can do the Pinterest thing and then that's a yeah. sale right there. Uh, Pinterest, Pinterest, you can't, I think, because Pinterest actually needs to, uh, you have to pin to an actual landing page. Gotcha. You have to be using the $29 plan to use Pinterest. Gotcha. But I think there are a few people um, that I met at Creative Stuff last year that are also using the $9 um, widgets. I think there are a few people that are also using $29. So if you're in the Creative South, Creative South Slack channel, there's always people talking about Shopify there as well. Not Spotify. Not They're Spotify. not talking about Spotify. No. It's a good <laughs> product, but that's not what I work on. <laughs> so um, is there, what's next for you? Because oh, we're at the end of the show. So tell people what, what your, what are the next goals? Uh, like just in life? <laughs> sure, in life. Do you want to get a train? Um, oh, I got uh, one when I was 30. I live in a condo, so I'd have nowhere to put a trampoline. Um, it's a goal. <laughs> it is a goal. Um, right now, I've been, I think because I've been one of those people that's so good at um, just rolling with the punches, um, the harder thing for me, which I've been trying to focus on lately, is to think a little bit more long term. Like, where do I see myself in my career in like two, three, five years or whatever? Um, so I recently actually made a switch uh, from marketing to product. So I'm, I'm working on mobile apps now for some of our enterprise clients. Um, and I think that's, that's sort of my new adventure right now. Um, and that's where I'm trying to grow my craft and my skills. Yeah. That's awesome. So did you come with any, to this team, did you come with anything besides just all this awesome knowledge about web stuff? Did you come with any mobile knowledge? Um, I've never really designed mobile apps, um, like, like actually, but um, I pay a lot of attention to mobile design and um, like I'm kind of a nerd about that. So when new apps come out with updates, like I'll, I'll pay attention to all the things that they've done and what's different and like what's really good. And I think that helps me make a lot of the decisions um, when I'm designing. So I think it'll take me some time to get used to what the limitations of designing for mobile apps are versus for web, which I'm so used to. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, that's something I'm really looking forward to. That's awesome. Well-rounded, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, Veronica, I so love talking to you. I'm super excited to see you at Creative South next year. Make sure you like find me and make me I'm gonna give you a hug so that I can definitely I'm really excited me for anyone too. who doesn't know I don't know if I'm supposed to be telling anybody this but um if the if you try to book the hotel rooms now you can't because they're all blocked off but somebody discovered that you can call them and reserve your room um and just tell them you're with creative south so if you want to get a head start on the hotel, that's how I did it. <laughs> that's how I did it. <laughs> Ooh, that's great. great yeah, so my room's already booked. And like, you don't have to put any money down. You have to give them your credit card to reserve the room. <laughs> but um, yeah, I hope my, I'm sorry if I wasn't supposed to tell you one. Don't kill me, Mike. Oh, Mara said she did that for 16. So that's good. I think it's not I a secret like, then. Like other people have done it. Yeah. So you're not like exposing. So me and Jason are on the Creative South team. So I think it's fine. They haven't said we couldn't say that. So, and I didn't know that. So <laughs> you're, you're, you're doing all kinds of great things. Um, yes. Neil, you should totally come. It really is incredible so it like it, I've been to a lot of conferences because Shopify has a, a conference travel budget for each of us per year and I've been to big conferences and small ones and I think uh, Creative South is like by far the best one I've ever been to like there I I actually still talk to a lot of people that I met at Creative South and like the amount of talent that comes through there and the talks are great and yeah, it's it's phenomenal. I would definitely go. People are really friendly. Like they're yes. the main speakers are you can go to dinner and talk to them and it's not they're not snooty and unapproachable. Yeah, most conferences don't give you that much access to the speakers. But I think part of it is is the small town. Like all of the restaurants are on the same street and chances of you eating dinner at a place where other Creative South people are, speakers included, is really high. So you can, and everyone's so friendly, you can just say, hey, do you want to join us for dinner? Um, yeah. And chances are they won't say no. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, 
Well, and Neil, me and you need to get caught up because we are going to do a Skype lunch sometime soon. So um, anyway, things are getting crazy. Next week, just so you know, I wasn't going to have a show or I was going to do a rapid recharge. But then my friend Devin, um, I talked to her and we're, I put her in. So I'm not doing many rapid recharges this year, but hopefully next year in 17 I will. And remember, I don't really do many in December. So I tried to just do one in December, and Fabio was going to be the only one. But then my friend Ben <laughs> went to, and I mean, he's like a brother to me. Like, we went to grad school together. So he'll be December 14th. But next week, we have Devin. So right in the middle of all your family craziness, <laughs> I hope that on Wednesday, same time, regular time, 1130 Pacific, um, 230 Eastern, I hope you'll join me and um, – I might even be at home, so I'll have my curtain in the back, but I might be here too. Who knows? Um, but I hope you guys will join me. And and so um, I think it was Nikki from Orlando, I think. Um, so that's where Devin's from. Um, so I hope you guys will join me next week. And I think then it'll be – I can't remember who else is next. I think I have three more for the year. Yes, Devin from AIGA. Horse <laughs> – I can't remember how to say her last name. When you realize I can spell it, Horschmeyer, Horschmeyer. Anyway, um, thank you guys. And just so you know, if you ever want to get in contact with me, you can always email me at diane at rechargingyou.com. And then um, check out other videos at rechargingyou.com. And I've got some new things kind of coming in the works that will probably be launching mid February um, for Valentine's Day, showing the love again. So um, check it out. I will see you guys next week. And I'm sorry, Devin, I can't pronounce your last name yet, but I'll practice for a whole week and I'll be able to do it. So thank you, Veronica. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Tons of information. And I just can't wait to see what's next. I can't, I wish I had a, a cake to top, but I would <laughs> definitely share this because I, I mean, I'm, I have lots of students that do, um, that are getting married. And so I will definitely share because I think it's such a great product and it's so beautiful and it's beautiful that you let her do it so much. So see you guys next week. Thanks so much. Bye. Thank you.